This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture. I'm T. Xiao Ik and uh, Lim Suan is in the studio with me. We're keeping you company this hour with a look at the Malaysian forestry policy. Now, this policy was launched last Sunday and uh, it's meant to serve as a reference and guide to forestry policies uh, that are adopted in Peninsular Malaysia, Sabah and Sarawak. And the formulation of this policy is said to be a manifestation of the country's commitment towards implementing sustainable sustainable forest management. So is this policy binding in any way or is it more aspirational in nature? That's what we will be exploring uh, and uh, a few more points as well on today's show. And so for our Twitter poll today, we have a quiz for you. So under Malaysian laws, whose jurisdiction does land and forest matters come under? So your options are state governments or the federal government. And you can take that poll on Twitter at BFM Radio. Or you can also tweet us your thoughts uh, there or WhatsApp them in at 018-789-8899. Yes, so it was International Day of Forests last Sunday, which was the 21st of March. And the theme for this day that was adopted was forest restoration, a path to recovery and well-being and uh, really the observation of this day is to serve as a reminder to us all that many aspects of our lives are linked to forests in one way or another. Now the, for, the, the, the restoration and sustainable management of forests help address the climate change and biodiversity, you know, this combo crisis and uh, it also produces goods and services for sustainable development, um, fostering an economic activity that creates jobs and improves lives. Yes, and it was also on that day that Malaysia launched the Dasar Perhutanan Malaysia or the Malaysian Forestry Policy, which was officiated by the Prime Minister Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin. So at the launch, the PM said that the policy shows all states coming together on the country's forestry management, which is now 120 years old. So during the launch, he said, and I quote, I would like to emphasise that the Malaysian Forestry Policy is our shared policy. We must all act and play a more active role in conservation uh, as conservation agents and drivers of the country's socio-economic development. So this policy is said to have gone through a process of negotiations between Peninsula Malaysia, Sabah and Sarawak since 2016. Now all the states then agreed to adopt the policy at the 78th National Land Council uh, meeting which was held on the 29th of January this year. And you know this policy outlines a clear direction for the forestry sector in facing new challenges both at the domestic as well as international levels. Yes. According to a report by Bernama, Tansri Muhyiddin also admitted that in order to achieve the goal of becoming a developed country, development is inevitable. But in this case, he stressed that the government is very serious in managing forests responsibly and sustainably in implementing conservation programs. Now, the PM also acknowledged that various efforts were taken by the government to fulfill the commitment pledged during the Earth Summit in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, um, by mainstreaming bio diversity management in national development. Uh, the PM explained that of the total forested areas in Malaysia, only 1.7% are degraded forest areas. Since 2016, a total of 1,859 hectares of degraded areas have been reforested with an allocation of uh, 152 uh, million ringgit thereabouts. And according to the PM, this year alone, the government has provided an allocation of 34.5 million for the 
the restoration of degraded forests throughout the country. Hmm. So the Prime Minister further said that the cost of maintaining and preserving the country's forest areas, which covers about 55% or um, about 18, about almost 18.3 million hectares of the country's land area, is enormous and about um, 6 billion ringgit is needed for that purpose. So towards this direction, various special financial instruments were created and this includes the National Conservation Trust Fund for Natural Resources, the Forest Development Trust Fund, and that's under the state governments in Peninsula Malaysia, and of course the latest, which is the Malaysian Forest Fund, or MFF, which was established last year. So Tan Sri Mudin said that you know through the Malaysian Forest Fund, the country is expected to receive um, about 100 million US dollars in the next seven years, which works out to be about 400 million ringgit. And this um, the, these funds would be channeled to state governments for the conservation of forests, including social forests, to raise the socio-economic standard for orang asli and the local communities. So the Prime Minister also quoted a Food and Agriculture Organisation report, which said that Malaysia is among 25 developing countries uh, which have high forest cover and low deforestation activities. Mm. And the PM also did express his appreciation of the commitment of uh, state governments in gazetting sensitive environmental areas, such as, uh, uh, sorry, uh, in gazetting sensitive environment areas as permanent forest mm. reserves, um, protected areas, wildlife reserve and areas of international interest. But he did also call on state governments to step up efforts to gazette and maintain forest areas as part of the central forest spine and the heart of Borneo. He explained that the fourth national physical plan, which is currently being finalised, is uh, pla- also placing a lot of emphasis on the central forest spine to ensure the continuity of forest landscapes through the setting up of a new ecological corridor. And, uh, you know, it's the, our hope and wish that this approach will be capable of reducing conflict between humans and wildlife, as well as to enable the free movement of wildlife, mm-hmm. especially national iconic species which are facing extinction. So, in particular, the PM called on state governments to gazette the habitat areas of Malayan tigers as uh, permanent forest reserves or wildlife reserves in their respective states. That's right. And at the same launch, the Energy and Natural Resources Minister, Datuk Sri Dr. Shamsul Anwar Nasara, also said that the Malaysian forestry policy will serve as a reference and a guide to forestry policies uh, adopted in the peninsula, Sabah and Sarawak. So in addition, he said that the 78th National Land Council meeting held on held on January earlier, uh, it was also agreed that the Peninsula Malaysia Forestry Policy uh, 2020 would replace the National Forestry Policy 1978, uh, and which was later then revised in 1992. And um, that earlier forestry policy is applicable to the peninsula. So that, uh, Dr. Shamsul also said, and I quote, the three regional forestry policies, namely the Sabah Forest Policy, the Sarawak Forest Policy and the Peninsula Malaysia Forestry Policy, which focus on strengthening forest management in a sustainable manner, are also part of um, uh, this uh, new Malaysian forestry policy. Yes, and it's important to note that the Malaysian forestry policy does not limit the state's right to take action related to forest management as stipulated in the objectives and provisions of the policy. Each state still has the power to manage forestry in their respective states and the Malaysian forestry policy does not take over the powers of the state government. So this policy should be read together with any other written policy relating to forest management for the three regions. Um, Dr. Shamso also reiterated the government's commitment to maintain at least 50% of the country's land mass under forest cover as uh, pledged during the Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro in 1992. And this is significant as it's the first time after nearly 
nearly 30 years that we see this moral commitment finally being enshrined in an official policy mm. document. Yeah, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, right now it's estimated that about 55% of the land area in Malaysia or just a little over 18 million hectares are covered by forests. So in an article in Free Malaysia Today, freelance environmental consultant Hilary Chiu wrote that currently the distribution of forests varies among states. So in terms of geographical regions, the forest cover is actually about 43.6% for Peninsular Malaysia compared to 64.5% for Sabah and 62.3% for Sarawak. Um, Chiu also wrote that given the economic development and concentration of population, it's unsurprising that Peninsular Malaysia has lost more than half mm. of its forests. Yep. And, you know, remember how we said that land um, is a state matter in Malaysia and forest management in the country falls under the purview of the state government. Um, and that's a right enshrined in the federal constitution, right? Well, some states have, over the past few years, indirectly declared their contribution to the natural uh, national pledge. So, for example, at the moment, most industrialized state. Uh, as the most industrialized state, Selangor set a target of at least 30%. Sabah has declared at least 50% in its latest policy, um, which was launched in 2018. And hopefully more states will come out with similar pledges. Yes, but with the demand for land uh, expected to increase, um, you know, as more development projects takes place, it remains to be seen how much will these states honour their pledges mm. to maintain a high forest cover. So, I mean, having these targets in black and white in the Malaysian forestry policy is definitely a good step, but it's really only the first step. What remains to be seen is if the policy includes any additional operational mechanisms. So after this uh, break, we will be speaking to Minakshi Raman, the president of Sahabat Alam Malaysia, which is a non-profit national environmental justice organisation. We want to get her thoughts on this uh, Malaysia forestry policy and how she sees it working out. So do stay tuned to the Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM. 89.9. Welcome back to the Daily Digest on the Bigger Picture with me, T. Shaoik and Lim Suan. We're discussing the Malaysia forestry policy today, which was officially launched just last Sunday by the Prime Minister. This policy, which was approved at the 78th National Land Council meeting in January, is the first policy document on forest matters that covers all three regions of our country. So that's Peninsular Malaysia, Sabah and Sarawak. Yes, a noteworthy point from the policy is the pledge to maintain at least 50% of the country's landmass under forest cover. But what does that actually mean in reality? Well, uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But in the meantime, we also have a short, uh, a simple quiz for you on our Twitter page where we're asking you under Malaysian laws, whose jurisdiction do you think land and forest matters come under? So right now, about 82% of you say it's state governments. 18% of you think it's the federal government. But we'll, And you can keep taking that poll on Twitter at BFM Radio. You can also... So WhatsApp us your thoughts at 018-789-8899 and we'll get to the answer to that question in a bit. But joining us now to discuss this and more is Minakshi Raman, the President of Environmental Justice Organisation Sahabat Alam Malaysia. Thanks for joining us, Mina. So I think we can all agree that our approach to forests here in Malaysia has to change for the better. I mean, do you think that the Malaysian forestry policy is a step in the right direction? Certainly, um, the national forestry policy is a step in the right direction, but we must remember that this is not the first time we've had a national forestry policy. We've had uh, previous national forestry policies. I think, um, as the name indicates, it's a policy. Um, in Malaysia, we have got beautiful policies, but implementation is where we have problems with. And um, what 
problem this is, is because the federal government can come up with a policy, but a lot of these forest matters and land matters, as you know, are within the jurisdiction of the states. And this is why it makes it difficult. So although the prime minister in launching the national forestry policy did say that there was a meeting of all the chief uh, Menteri Basas and chief ministers and they had agreed to the policy and so on. So this is how the federal government is trying to get the cooperation of the states. So all they can do is to encourage and come up with a policy. But actual implementation in terms of taking the legal steps that's really in the jurisdiction of the states. So it's a step, it's a good step, it's a right step, but it's not enough. It doesn't go far enough in terms of giving it teeth in terms of actual implementation. Mm. And uh, just to be clear again, Mina, it's more of a reference, uh, right? More of a guide that's than something that's binding in any way. Certainly, it's, you can say it's much more aspirational. It's not uh, something that uh, somebody can hold the states to. Um, it's persuasive It's uh, because states always see forests as, as their sovereign right to decide over in, because of jurisdictional issues. So all the federal can do is to cajole, to incentivize by provision of financial resources um, and other uh, support it can do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's up to the states whether they want to cooperate or not. They can just say we don't care as well. So it's not that kind of a legally binding document that uh, the, the, the federal can foist on the states. And as you mentioned, forest management in the country is under the purview of the state government, and that's been enshrined in the federal constitution. And this policy does not limit states' rights, uh, right to take action related to forest management, which is stipulated in the objectives and provisions of the policy, right? What would you say are some of the positive and negative outcomes of this approach? I think the one new um, aspect to the national forestry policy this time was the announcement that uh, there is a, going to be a Malaysia forest fund um, and that over seven years there will be something like uh, um, a certain number of um, resources coming to the states. And so that's quite significant in terms of, but then it is over seven years, um, it's in terms of uh, making much more money available under the Malaysia Forest Fund uh, for the states. Now, this is partly because um, internationally, well, the government is um, the, the government that negotiates internationally is the federal government. And they are committed, for instance, to the Paris Agreement. They are committed to the Convention on Biological Diversity. All the commitments that they make internationally at the end of the day have to be implemented by the states with the cooperation of the states. Because if it's biodiversity, if it involves forests, then the state cooperation is important. And there are international funds that are available. For instance, the Green Climate Fund. It's a climate fund that is also helping developing countries like Malaysia to, uh, to help it implement its obligations internationally. The other is, of course, the Global Environment Facility that's for biodiversity and, and so on. So there are funds like that which the government is tapping. And that's why Sam is also urging much more tapping of international resources to incentivize the states. I say that that's positive because this is, you can't be giving very little resources. The, 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 the fight that we've had over the years is really because states feel that they need more money 
and the only way that they can get this money is by conversion of forests, whether it's logging or whether it's converting it to mining, whether it's doing other activities, so-called development, which we call destruction. So until and unless you, you actually incentivize the states with financial resources to say, you will get paid for keeping your forests intact, we are not going to be able to save our forests. Absolutely. Now, we know that Sahaba Alam has supported the PM's call to the state governments to step up their efforts to gazette and maintain these forested areas, especially in the central forest spine and the heart of Borneo Ecological Corridor. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, the central forest spine is actually, as it says, right, the, the spine. Yeah, It's like your spinal column of a, of a body. And you can imagine, you know, when your spine goes out of whack, what that, what kind of pain it you go through. Now, I think we need to understand that Malaysia's uh, spinal cord, which is the central forest spine, is so critical and it's actually transboundary. In many cases, it actually crosses several states. And the idea, actually, you know, that central forest spine is an environmental, ecologically sensitive area. Same with that's in the peninsula. And the heart of Borneo is what you talk about in Sabah and Sarawak. And that's also very critical. These are critical ecosystems. So what, what the Prime Minister is basically saying is, for a start, these, these critical ecosystems must be totally protected. That's what we in SAM support. Totally protected meaning it's not enough to call them as forest reserves or as permanent forest reserves. I think this is where we have a we have we fall into this misnomer. Just because you hear that a forest is a permanent forest reserve, the the mind conjures this to mean it's protected, it's totally protected, but that's not the case. In many situations, the how the states classify these forests is important. For instance, they can say that this is a protected forest or a forest reserve for the purposes of production. That means logging, right? So how you know? Then you get the impression that hey, how can you have logging in a in a uh, forest reserve? But that's exactly what it is. So how they classify it is important. And what we point go on, go on to show actually, there might be this fifty five percent claim of forest cover in in the country, but the devil is actually in the details. How much of these forests are actually totally protected, and how much forest area? So, in terms of 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 um, percentage, uh, uh, it's only it's it's about four point four million hectares only of forest uh, areas and other areas which are classified as protected, whether it's wildlife reserve, whether it's a state park, whether it's a it's a national park because you have for legislation of different types. You have the Forestry Act and you have other legislation as well. So what is totally protected is only about 4.4 million hectares. And that's very small and that's not your 55% at all. So it's far from it. So I think this is where the, the there is a um, misnomer, a misunderstanding that when we say there's 55% forest, forest cover, I don't think we should be applauding. It's good that we have this number, but the devil is in the details. And the more of the forest that we protect as totally protected and gazetted, meaning they cannot be converted for, for logging or they cannot be converted for other uses, then, then we will have a healthy ecosystem.
And I know that research by uh, uh, SAM has shown that the degazetting of the permanent reserve forest in Peninsular Malaysia also affects uh, quote-unquote high conservation value forests. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, see, one of the biggest controversies, for instance, is actually uh, conversion of these areas, these forested areas into monocultures. You've heard about durian plantations and and you've heard about rare earth mining in, in, in forest areas. And even, um, uh, you know, th- th- these are areas where there are actually good forests, even in, in, in the Ulumuda, huge controversy between the Penang and Kadak state governments, uh, where the Ulumuda is actually a water catchment source for three states up in the Northern Corridor. Big disputes about what the Kadak government can and cannot do. Um, it also supports the rice bowl of the country in Kedah. Um, so if you don't have these legal protections, then they can easily be converted. And that is the point. Until and unless you gazette them, recognize, like if it's whether it's water catchment forest, whether it's biodiversity, for purposes of biodiversity, so this high, high value forest will not be protected. You have to give them that that status and protection, legal protection. Yes, and we've seen the effects on forests, haven't we, of the development of monoculture plantations and also the impact of some of those activities you mentioned, you know, quarrying, mining, agriculture and uh, other land use activities within the PRF, which has degraded the value of the forests. Exactly. And, uh, well, the horror of horror, I mean, I don't know how many of you know this, like, um, you know, we were, one of the biggest controversies at the moment was actually the Linus um, Permanent Disposable Facility. And uh, we were horrified to learn that actually, apart from the Linus uh, PDF, which is called the Disposal Facility for their Radioactive Waste, there was also a plan to have in the same area of the Forest Reserve, a Forest Reserve in the, in, in the Bukit Katam area, which is a water catchment source. Um, and a larger area for a large-scale, multi-category scheduled waste, industrial waste in a forest reserve. I mean, in, yeah, how on earth can anyone think of radioactive waste and industrial waste in forest reserve areas which are sources of water? I think the most critical aspect is actually water. I mean, we have gone through, um, you know, water shortages. I mean, we have seen the how households in the Klang Valley, for instance, when you get uh, your, your water, you are, you, you are very happy when there's no water. I mean, you wake up with, with uh, you know, all kinds of difficulties and burdens and you wait for the water lorries. I mean, this is unheard of. This is Klang Valley. But where does your water come from? It's not just from the water treatment plants. It must come from the forest and the catchments. Now, this is, this is now, and climate change is going to exacerbate this in terms of prolonged droughts where rains don't come. Like in Penang, the dams of the, the dam, water levels in the dams have gone down. So you can't be building more dams. It's not about more dam building. It's about where are the catchments and are the catchment forests protected? So the rains will have to come with forests which are beautiful. Otherwise, they will fall elsewhere. And this is what we ought to be to, to be recognizing: water, the sustainability of water resources, with the um, impending well, is already here the climate change crisis, which is only going to make it much much worse. Our forests, as water catchment forests, are so important. The other controversy, as you might know, this Pululangat, um, that big uh, proposal to de-gazette 
uh, a forest reserve, a peat swamp forest. Very vital. Peat is so critical for as a carbon sequester. I mean, it absorbs carbon. It keeps the carbon in the ground. Can you imagine deforesting that and your emissions, carbon emissions going up? So it, it's just mind-blowing how our state governments do not I don't know whether they do not understand. I'm sure they understand because it's been how many years since independence. Yeah, they are not little kids anymore. They know the importance of the environment and the ecosystem. But I think the political will to do much more has to be um, upped in the sense of the recognition that these are the na na natural resources, this nature is your the, the spinal cord of your economy. You destroy this nature, your economy is going to collapse. I think the COVID taught us that very, very dramatically. You know, and where did the virus come from? It didn't come from anywhere else but from a wildlife trade which came from a forest. So we are and, and we have been warned that there are many, many viruses in the environment of which we don't know about. And these can escape into the environment. So the COVID, Mother Earth, is giving us a signal that you can't continue to destroy the planet the way we have been. And so this recognition is what is so fundamental. Where is your water coming from? Where is your food security coming from? No water, no agriculture. And climate, the climate crisis is, is, is really something that we have to pay attention to. So this is why I, we really hope that more and more states begin to understand how they cannot undermine the sustainability of our future in economic terms, in social terms, in environmental terms. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I know Sahabat Alam is urging for more in terms of protection of all environmentally sensitive areas. And you've also come up with um, recommendations to further improve on the national forest po forestry policy, right? Can you walk me through those recommendations? Yes. So the first thing we are saying is that you do need to gazette those sensitive ecosystems. Those are very critical resources. You have to protect more of them with totally protected status, Give, clothe them with the legality so that nobody can just go in there and, you know, tomorrow overnight, suddenly somebody dreams of a Disneyland in the forest, yeah? I mean, uh, you know, this is no laughing matter. Uh, there are people who come around and, you know, sell all kinds of schemes and dreams and uh, people fall for it. So we shouldn't be falling for these kinds of things. We should recognize that these, these ecosystems are no-go zones. They should be protected and they have to be clothed with the legality. The second is that, you know, the other call that we have made is that, like Slango, luckily for us, those who are campaigning on the degazetting, against the degazetting of the Hululangat Forest Reserve, that we came to know of it because there is a provision in the um, Slango forestry enactment which says that you must hold a public inquiry before you degazette. Now, that is important. That kind of a provision needs to, ha needs to be present in all laws of all the states so that any time the state um, exco, state authority for any reason, wants to degazette, they have to have a public inquiry. Now, the public, they, it's a new public. It's a public that is agitating for accountability, for transparency, for no corruption. 
And I think this public needs these kinds of laws in place so that the government can be held accountable. So if it is going to de-gazette, it must have a very strong reason why it wants to de-gazette a particular forest reserve from a forest reserve status. More so, if it is a totally protected forest, you shouldn't be de-gazetting at all. Yeah, so, so what is the reason? What is the drive? So this kind of um, uh, um, provision in the law needs to be present in other laws as well. The other is that we are saying that don't go around approving monoculture plantations. And this is, uh, no plantation can equate a forest. Yeah, a forest is the forest. It has all the biodiversity and it supports a whole range of other ecological functions, as we all know. So we shouldn't be encouraging mining activities in forest areas or quarrying and so on. Also, um, as we say, environmentally sensitive areas. Now, the one good thing in the national forestry policy that we saw is the recognition of the role of the Orang Asli. And uh, for us, we will expand that to the indigenous peoples as well in Sarawak and Sabah, for instance. The indigenous peoples with their knowledge and knowledge systems, and they have been seen as the custodians of the forest. We have to recognize their role and their rights as well, because these are original peoples. And they have not been going around destroying the forest, but these are people who are the custodians, and we have to recognize and protect their rights as well. So uh, that's another recommendation we are making. Another is that encroachment on and illegal land development activities. I mean, you know, these are remote areas and often those of us NGOs, when we learn about them, we alert the authorities. But a lot of times we have no idea what's happening. Even during the COVID pandemic, when there was supposed to be a movement control order, we were hearing of some kind of illegal activities going around from fires in some parts of, of, of wherever we are, you know, either in Penang or in some parts of Kedah or some clearing happening, you know, and the government doesn't know. Yeah. So these illegal encroachments, and if you re recall, um, you know, there was this move by the Ministry of Environment uh, to have in, uh, to be in joint cooperation with the armed forces and with the um, also with the police to come down hard on environmental crimes. So it's not just about polluting rivers. It also must be about illegal wildlife trade, for instance, um, poaching, um, illegal cutting and clearing and particularly hills and highlands, eh? a lot of, a lot of um, you can't be building bungalows on these sensitive ecosystems. So these are the kinds of things that, that the enforcement um, has to be strengthened much, much, much more, apart from the legal protection that needs to be given. And, and finally, of course, we are saying that the federal government has to step up and do much more, more than the Malaysia Forest Fund announcement, much more international resources can be got um, in order for states to not be tempted to destroy their forests and biodiversity. If this is not just good for this country, it's also good for the world. I mean, we are. this, this is a global problem. Um, climate change and biodiversity loss is a global problem. While we have sovereign rights over it, we also have a responsibility in ensuring that we manage them in a sustainable way and in a, in a proper way. So international funds have to be increased for these purposes. Absolutely. Now, Mina, any final message that you'd like to leave us with? Maybe the final point I'd like to make is that um, while we all um, are calling for a much more accountable, transparent government, state governments, federal government, I think the riot has a great role to play. 
local communities, uh, people. You know, we ourselves have to begin to open our eyes to environmental destruction. We have a lot of concern for climate change and, and, and particularly if you see all these student strikes and, you know, they're all being inspired to do more. I think uh, we have to be a vigilant citizenry. And it's only when we become vigilant and these issues become political, will the political masters take us seriously? Because a lot of the time, there are others who are lobbying for the opposite of what we want. So we do we do need to um, to be an active citizenry and not just say that this is a role only for government, but it's an active citizenry that has to campaign to keep our ecosystems and environment and natural resources um, intact and in a good way uh, in sustainably using them and not allowed mismanagement. Absolutely. What a valuable and timely reminder. Thank you so much, Mina. Um, we were speaking to Minakshi Raman, the president of uh, environmental justice organization, Sahaba Alam Malaysia. And she was talking to us about the Malaysia forestry policy. In essence, Mina was saying that any forestry policy that we put in place uh, shouldn't just stay as a policy. It must lead to legal protection and rehabilitation of forests. That's right. And she called on all state governments to ensure actual implementation of the policy, right? Implementation that leads to real protection, conservation and rehabilitation of our forests. And that's specifically through the gazetting of more forests as totally protected forests. And this this means that you know, these forests can't be converted for other uses or disturbed by destructive activities such as logging, which unfortunately we are still seeing um, far too commonly right now. I know. And that was an eye-opener for me, her point that um, just because it says protected forest reserve, um, you know, the devil is in the details, exactly. right? She said you have to look at what they're protected for. If they're protected for production and for all these uh, development activities, then they're not actually protected in the true ecological sense. Mm, and I think for the average lay person, um, you know, for people like us who may not be too familiar with the details, you mm. might just see, oh, protected forest and think that, okay, all's, all's great and yeah. Yeah, Fine, but that's right. but really, you know, there's a lot for all of us to learn. You know, to realize that. Things are not as great as they seem. Exactly, yeah. yes. And so we were, uh, we had a little quiz on our Twitter um, on our Twitter page where we were asking you, you know, under Malaysian laws, who do you think, um, uh, whose jurisdiction it is uh, for, for land and forest matters? Now, 80.6% of you say it's federal, uh, state government, sorry, and 19.4% of you say it's the federal government. Now, the answer to that is actually um, both, in a way, as pointed out by one of our um, list. Uh, our, our Twitter uh, followers. Um, so quick, your answer is that, you know, it is, um, well, the answer is actually mostly state government. So each um, state government would manage the forest and land matters within their own borders. But for federal territories, it's mm. a bit of an exception because that will then fall under the federal government. So mm. it's, a small mix of both. <laughs> well pointed out, quick. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you can keep taking that poll on Twitter at BFM uh, Radio or, you know, you can share any thoughts you have with us uh, on Twitter or, you know, WhatsApp them into us. All right. So that's all the time that we have for today's show. Um, do mosey on over to our Facebook page at BFM The Bigger Picture and drop us a direct message there if you'd like to get in touch with us about our shows or any suggestions of uh, topics that you'd like to see us cover.
If you missed any part of our show, there's always the podcast. You can get that on bfm.my slash daily digest or if you have our BFM app or of course your usual podcast uh, platforms. Coming up after the three o'clock news, it's Live and Learn and Dashran Johan has something uh, quite interesting in store for you. It's the eighth episode of the What If Malaysia series and he will be asking what if Malaysia has a non-Malay Prime Minister. He'll be speaking to Dr. Diana Arifin and Kamal Sulaimi Fazil, both from University of Malaya, about this very uh, question, this topic. So do stay tuned for that. You've been listening to The Daily Digest on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.